the show, Cut the Fru-Fru, the blog slash podcast audio blog. So today, the title of what I've written, which I will read, is Healing in Order to Live versus Living Fully in Order to Heal. The one true aim, the path, modalities, place, freedom from our dreams, healing in order to live versus living fully in order to heal, which is the title, the wisdom that registers as obtuse, Bruce Lee, Mr. Miyagi, and Neil Young, trauma, psychedelics, ketamine, MDMA therapy, and of course, breath work. So as you're listening to this, I encourage you to take all pressure off. If you listen to five minutes, that's great. If you listen to five minutes of it and do something else and there's no feeling of not completing what you started or whatever your mental process is around that, it's been my experience that you might naturally end up listening to 10 minutes later and five minutes later and next thing you know, you finish the whole thing. It's not very long. Um... But I just really want to set this up from the beginning that the most important thing, I think, for all of us, and what I hope for the listener, is that what I say is not heard from this place of agreeing or disagreeing or trying to figure out or even trying to understand it, but it's used as an opportunity to simply watch your own mind move in relationship to what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, and just letting it be a, you know, ultimately an experience that's pretty out of the norm. I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm really just endeavoring to authentically express what I find to be of value. So in that, I hope it's of value to you, and I hope you enjoy episode five of the Cut the Fru-Fru podcast. Modalities have various aims. They rely on man-made methods to achieve these aims. Meanwhile, there is only one true aim, and that is the realization of self. As Zonda Rimite says, the aim of yoga is to be able to distinguish what the soul is from what the soul is not. Everything that occurs in this process which is the process of living a life. As I've said before, spiritual work, yoga, whatever you want to call it, is woven into the very fabric of our existence. Through this existence, we are always moving towards this one true aim. Which is not to say that other aims or goals are not something to be strived for, However, I'd like to make it clear that all of these other aims come about and exist only in the absence of knowing the soul. 
So anyone who gets very far along the path, I find, quickly realizes the simplicity of what we are all up against. It's a beautiful place to be because it means we are about to begin. I'm going to back up, though, and talk about the path that leads to this beginning phase of the journey. I want to speak about this for the sake of education in general and for the sake of helping people and myself understand what it is that I do and how truly simple it is. Even though to some it might seem vague, to me it has felt vague. And only recently am I realizing how opposite to vague that it is. So be it breathwork, or be it any other form of practicing something for the sake of self-cultivation, there is going to be a progression that takes place, a beginning, middle, and end. We do not know nor is it up to us to decide or govern how long each phase takes or what each phase will even entail. The order of which is also up for change. Oftentimes we wish to move from one phase to the next, always progressing forward, when in reality going backwards and starting at the beginning again and again is often a part of the process. All we can do is remain willing to face ourselves and to feel ourselves fully with awareness as we engage with our life, saying yes to it. If I had to pull out a single thing that is the most essential to our growth, It would be the cultivation of this awareness that is beyond our mind's interpretation, beyond storytelling. The cultivation of the intelligence that is not the intellect. At the beginning, it might all be about the clearing of trauma and deep healing of childhood wounds. It's a reckoning with ourselves and everything we have created out of fear. The ways we have lived separately from the truth, the ways we have abandoned ourselves out of whatever patterns of codependency or any other sort of relational discordance that we acted out as a result of trauma experiences that we did not know how to somatically digest, all of which exist in the past, yet we unknowingly continue to propagate into the present and future by not having the tools needed to move past the challenging experiences, thus they continue to define us. So this is a very good place to be because it is a key place to be. And it is also key to continue to progress past this place, past this phase. This is just one small part of the whole process that is larger and more interconnected than what our mind, than what our intellect can comprehend. 
So for many, breathwork may seem like a tool for healing trauma, which it is. And for others, breathwork may seem like a tool for releasing stress, which it is. And for others, it might seem like a tool for tapping into creativity and clarity around life, which it is. And for others, it might seem like the ultimate tool for liberating the soul, which it is. Some people might call breathwork yoga. Others might make distinctions between breathwork and yoga. Labeling breathwork as pranayama and labeling pranayama one phase of the yogic path, which it is. Some people might say pranayama is the cultivation, mastery, regulation of energy, which it is. Others would say that pranayama is actually the practice of listening to the sound that the universe makes when the cycles of life and death are suspended, which it is. The point is that all of these things that I have listed, as well as every other thing that I have not listed, are all a part of one process, and they are all equally as capable of helping us, as well as capable of making things worse, depending on how we engage with them and how aware we are of the ways in which we unconsciously show up in relationship with ourselves and this process of life that we are all endeavoring through. So it's obvious that all of the methods that are promoting different benefits or even the methods that have specific titles like trauma release method or breathwork for stress reduction are obviously marketing a single aspect of the process. And for many, there is a trap in continuing to think and see things as isolated, specialized events as opposed to the reality that is the whole backdrop of what the aim is to begin with. Without an aim, without a reason for doing something, we quickly lose sight of knowing what is important and what is of value. We lose context for not only why we are doing what we are doing, but also we miss out on what we are doing because we are not able to connect with it. We end up spending our lives window shopping for our salvation as if it could simply be purchased, as if it is something outside of ourselves. We are so busy looking outward for the experience to happen, we never actually put the energy inward into the practice, which is what creates the experience. Being a specialist is on one hand a sign that we are extra skilled at what we do, and on the other hand, it is a sign that we are missing the full picture and unable to see everything that is not our specialty. Obviously, if we see a powerlifting specialist, we will not assume they know anything about anything besides powerlifting. And if we only desire to be a great powerlifter, then there is no problem. However, why does someone wish to become a great powerlifter? Any goal, for that matter, we can see is hiding something deeper beneath it. Man's search for meaning, for love, for recognition, for purpose to be valued on and on. This does not mean that powerlifting is an empty endeavor. Rather, 
It simply implies that to be a great powerlifter, one must also connect to the integrity of their life through powerlifting and be able to apply it and the awareness it cultivates everywhere else in their life. Bruce Lee being an iconic example of this, a martial arts specialist, but more than that, he truly specialized in how martial arts applies to life and every aspect of it. Same with any great person, athlete, performer. They are great because the world identifies with their process, this process that goes beyond any sport or genre, the process of greatness, the process of knowing yourself fully through your life being the learning opportunity. Again, to say it another way, someone's ability to be great is not based on their specific skill in one aspect of something, but rather in their overall awareness of themselves and how skillfully they can apply that awareness to everything that they do. So with any goal, whether it's to have a certain amount of financial security or a goal of some level of political or social status, a goal of buying a house or your dream car, once achieved and we possess the thing we wanted, we realize obviously that we are still suffering in all of the ways we suffer. Because again, there is only one aim, one goal, one thing. To know ourselves as we are outside of our conditioning, outside of time and space and everything that we pile on in an attempt to define ourselves, to stand out, to be special, lovable, valued, safe. As I've alluded to in previous episodes, this is not good or bad, rather a part of the process. The more we try and change something, the harder it stays stuck. The suffering that follows is the only way to learn about ourselves and our relationship we have with our life process. In my experience, as long as we have a backdoor escape route, we'll take it. So it is only when our suffering has grown to the breaking point that we begin to truly live. Trickery abounds for all of us our trauma and maladaptive coping mechanisms that keep us from feeling it and witnessing it will not be healed or even seen clearly for a while because first we will be forced to realize that it is our very mindset of acquisition, our goal-oriented way we have learned to exist that is founded on comparison, rivalry, competition, and violence. This is what must be reckoned with. So weaving this all around and eventually together, as much as healing our trauma is an important thing to do, one could argue that the healing of it is not as important as what we learn so deeply through the process of healing it. And that the suffering that causes us to want to heal is 
the thing that we could be most grateful for, because without it, we would never have bothered to look up from our obsession of conquering the world, attaining our endless and insatiable list of goals, attempting to gain the title best, coolest, most successful, loved, valued, and safe person ever. I'd like to slow down, take a breath, and point out that, of course, I would say, could say, and do say, I specialize in helping people heal trauma. But I don't do it by being clinical and disconnected from the true value of what this process of healing gives us. Trauma or any other aspect of the path is not something that needs fixing, but rather something that holds the key that we need to unlock the next phase of our life's process towards knowing, remembering our soul. To say it differently, so much of our ability to heal something, to make whole whatever aspect of ourselves is fragmented, it is our very resistance to what is, being the way it is, in its fragmented state, that is part of the reason it will resist a resolution. Like being caught in quicksand, the harder we fight, the faster we sink. From this, we might have a mental assumption that fighting is therefore a bad thing and something else we need to not do. When in reality, pain simply is a part of life, it's our resistance that causes suffering. So the more we fight, the more we suffer, which oftentimes is what we actually benefit from the most, because in my experience, it's not that the goal is to free ourselves from quicksand, but rather to surrender to that which seems like certain death, allowing ourselves to die in way of allowing ourselves to be born, allowing ourselves to walk into the unknown in order to know, allowing ourselves to go beyond what our past has frightened us into believing is the only reality that exists, making us ready to move forward, having truly transcended our previous level of existence, of suffering that comes from resisting the process of our life. So in regards to this letting go of the known, this facing of our proverbial deaths, the very first thing that must go is our inability to let go of our narrative that our suffering exists because of. The very first thing that must go is our inability to let go of our narrative that suffering exists because of. If I am open to my perception of Daniel Rainwater being fluid and always changing, this is part of what leaves the door open for me to slip through the confines of my own self-existing conformity prison that I hold myself to out of fear that I am not okay otherwise. And then I can begin 
again each day without carrying around all of the accumulated memories, upsets, regrets that I mistake for knowledge. I'll say it again in a different way, this time including the death example more specifically. To my mind, any form of change or unknown event is a threat to my existence. As I've said before, we feel as if our life is at risk when most oftentimes it is merely our mind's belief, story, reality that it has created that is being asked to open up and explore the possibility that I am more than what I thought I was and life is in fact infinite. To the mind, this is terrifying. It does not want infinite possibilities. It wants consistency for the sake of safety. It's like the movie Inception. In the dream, if they started making a ruckus, the people in the dream would turn on them because they were disrupting the dream. And the dreamer's unconscious, which was creating the dream, and all of the people in it, wanted the dream to remain intact and to not be disturbed by the reality that it was all a dream and not real. So if we are to heal trauma, we need to learn how to go through this death-slash-growth process with ourselves because in order to heal trauma, we have to face the energy and the memories and the thoughts that are associated knowing that it will not destroy us. It only feels like it could. Our life is not ending. Our dream that is not real, we are simply beginning to wake up from. The reality is that it actually sets us free. And for many, there is tremendous resistance from the unconscious, and they would rather destroy everything than to simply face the reality that they are dreaming and need to wake up. So it doesn't do much good for me to tell someone this without them learning it in their own body for themselves because the body is what we have to learn to trust. I am saying this because this is the single process that moves us towards the only real aim, which is what this whole talk is about. Learning this process for ourselves will ensure that we move through all of our trauma, and it also translates into the next phase of the process because no matter what phase of the journey we are in, there is really only ever one thing going on. Us facing the unknown with the choice to either embrace it or to not. The only real form of knowledge To know anything truly as it is requires not a collection of things from the past, but a letting go of those things in order to know what is happening right now truly for what it is as it is. The past is the known. We have to let go of the known in order to know what is happening right now. I've said this before, but it's the willingness to go beyond ourselves that allows us to return home to ourselves as we truly are. So the trap we are all in is that. We either choose 
to embrace the unknown in order to return home to who we truly are, or we choose to stay where we are. My personal experience is that the archetypal concept of hell is really just this, the decision to stay in the illusion that is the dream that is manifested through our unconscious that is repressed because we are afraid of feeling ourselves, of facing ourselves. Another way of saying it is that the only thing that heals us and gives us peace is the whole truth, and to be a candidate for knowing this truth, we have to be equally as willing to abandon and go beyond what we know as the truth, as we are willing to hold on to the truth. Whatever you, the listener, is hearing is what is important to notice and be aware of. Where are you in relation to what I am saying? What am I saying? What I am saying is not so important. And you must understand this. Otherwise, you are a failure to understand things. (laughs) Where are you right now? How does your mind move in relationship to what I am saying? Do you think you have trauma that needs to be resolved? Do you think you need some aspect or would benefit from or have benefited from some aspect of what I am saying? What part of what I am saying is confusing or triggering or in your mind perhaps controversial or incorrect? That's what is of most value, not what I am saying. So let yourself be aware of yourself being the witness of your experience without getting intellectual about it, feeling your body without translating how it feels with the past. And now a quick word from our sponsors. I want to take a moment to acknowledge something I genuinely enjoy, which is the lack of commercials in podcasts. So for the next 20 seconds or so, let's just take a break from the constant cerebral bombardment that is standard protocol. And whatever's going on, wherever you are, whether you're driving or at home, just feeling your body, noticing your surroundings, immersing yourself in the senses Perception without intellectualizing the experience. And back to the show. The next phase of what I wish to speak to is going back to what I started the previous section with. Breathwork, the path, trauma healing, all the various modalities. What is the most useful thing and how obtuseness actually oftentimes represents the simplest of things. Breathwork for healing trauma is great. That's what I do with people because many people have trauma that if released will be of great help. Actually, 
that trauma, if released, will feel like the single most profound and important thing that has ever happened in their life. This is phase one. Phase two is either deciding that all you wanted was to release the trauma and then go back to your life as it was with the only shift being that, or deciding that the path towards liberation and joy has only just begun and that you are wanting to keep going down the path that is coming to know what your soul is from what it is not. Neither one of these decisions make you a more virtuous person. Both of these decisions can lead to both more suffering as well as more joy and fulfillment. Learning what the soul is from what it is not is simply what life is, as I've said before. So, we don't have to sign up for something, nor do we have the option to opt out. So I guess a better way of understanding, distinguishing between these two decisions would be to say you decide you either want to prioritize and in a way actively, consciously keep going down this path, or you decide that by focusing on whatever the other things are in your life, you are simply prioritizing something else, which very well could be and can be the very practice that if done with awareness is in fact your path to your soul. This leads me to making my next point that in a way perhaps is the most important thing you could take from this. And also, which I've said before, it's not about what you do, it's about how you do it. You could wash dishes all your life for a cafe and be doing it in a way that is practicing awareness, practicing seeing each moment from a place beyond the mind, expanding the ways in which you perceive yourself and the world around you. If this is the case, others might think, boy, I could never do such a thing, live my life washing dishes. But on the inside, if you are learning from every dish, from every day, and from every person that comes through that cafe, it's far from the miserable grind that it may appear to be from the outside. So this is important. What makes someone be able to learn from their life in this way versus someone who does not someone who becomes steadily more and more miserable, jaded, and bitter. It's the difference between teaching someone how to think versus teaching them what to think. It's the difference between someone thinking that all of the ideas and philosophies that they have accumulated are knowledge versus someone who has emptied themselves of all of this each day and thus is open to experiencing the moment in their life as if it were brand new continuously. Because it is. It's the difference between seeing with the mind, thus projecting the past into the present, versus seeing with the heart and being open to experiencing reality as it is. 
It's the difference between what Bruce Lee teaches or Mr. Miyagi versus what public schools teach. It's the difference between seeing a breathwork practitioner who does breathwork for trauma healing versus a breathwork practitioner who guides people through resolving their own trauma for themselves in which teaches them simultaneously how to begin to move through the next phase of their own growth without leaving them dependent on finding a different breathwork method that focuses on the next phase. It's the difference between Western medicine that has doctors who specialize in each part of the body whom know nothing about all of the other parts. It's the difference between cutting out someone's pancreas or prescribing insulin medication to a diabetic instead of understanding how the whole system works together and thus knowing how something like diabetes is not only preventable but very curable. It's, in my opinion, all of the difference. It's the difference between seeing reality as it is versus seeing our projections as reality. So this is why I do what I do. This is why it can seem obtuse. It seems obtuse or vague because the mind wants to zoom in on one aspect at a time and have a clear understanding and structure for each aspect before moving on to the next aspect. However, this is not the way nature slash (laughs) God works. This is the way the mind works, insisting that nature conforms to its mental preferences is never going to result in anything other than prolonging sorrow. In order to know life and in order to know yourself, we have to simplify, which at first seems like an overtly complicated thing to the mind. In reality, however, it is truly simple, and the beautiful thing is, this is what we are all being invited to learn about every moment of our life. Whether we choose to consciously practice this or not, we are not judged or punished because our minds are the only ones who know about judgment and punishment. To nature and to our soul, we have an infinite number of moments from which we can choose whatever we want in life. So in conclusion, if you are someone looking for something and interested in various methods or modalities, or even if you are a teacher and practitioner of something and wonder how you could serve people better, This is my opinion of what gives something value versus what is ultimately not of value. Some of this discussion was spurred on by the amount of breathwork modalities out there that all claim they are special or better than others, as well as all of the up-and-coming use of psychedelic therapies like ketamine and MDMA therapy with its somewhat specific use to aid in the resolution of trauma. I am always looking for the truth that exists beneath the level of what may seem obvious. And it's obvious to me that comparing things or doing a shootout to determine which is better is not the way towards seeing the true nature of the situation. So in light of this, here was my original thought process around it all. 
Well, maybe something like ketamine is perhaps even better for healing than breathwork because the person does not have to go through what most people experience at first to be the rigors of breathing and having to do the work of creating the experience slash environment for the healing to take place. So logically, if more people will do ketamine therapy for this reason than breathwork, then perhaps ketamine therapy is better simply because more people will be willing to do it. And then I remember everything I've already said thus far, which is everything I am always practicing, coming back to. It's not about what we do. It's not about which thing is better. It's about how we do it. And as a practitioner, how can we guide the person in a way that helps them see their own power and the reality that they are the ones generating the healing so they see clearly more and more not just in the sessions, but in every moment of their life, so that they are the opposite of dependent on a substance, therapy, method, teacher. These are all only tools. Just like a finger can be used to point in the direction of something, it is a misperception to think that the finger is the destination. In conclusion, this is why I will always say I think breathwork is the most powerful tool because of what I just stated. It may be slightly harder at first because you have to work for it. You have to practice it, but it's through this that it teaches us the process and nature of the universe, which is expansion and contraction. We learn what it is and how to be in relationship with opposites that at first appear to be opposites but that are in fact one simple, continuous process. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. This is episode five, Concluded. Episode six will be coming out later this week, which I'm excited for because a dear friend... Mahome Maggie Mojab is my guest, and we talk about a lot of stuff that is similarly related to everything I've talked about in this episode, everything I've talked about in all of the episodes, and I must say that I think this episode, number five, is my current favorite. I really enjoyed making it, and I got a lot out of the process. I got so much out of the process, actually, so I hope you also get something out of it. Don't forget to subscribe, like, share, engage with me in some way if it is inspiring and uplifting for you. You can follow me on Instagram at dr.rainwater. Right now I'm kind of MIA because my phone is broken, but that will be changed soon. And then Instagram's kind of my main platform for promoting, posting, informing people about the latest episodes and things such as that. So... That's it for now. Enjoy yourself. Keep on rocking in the free world. Keep on rocking in the free world. Keep on
kind of gentle machine gun Styrofoam boxes full of ozone layer Got a man of the people says to keep the hope alive Got fuel to burn, got roads to drive